You're tuned in to RX Radio. Movement prescribed. Brought to you by Prescript.com. A personalized approach to keeping you healthy and making your best even better. Your hosts, Dr. Jordan Shallow and Dr. Jordan Jinta. Going on, guys. Welcome back to another episode of RX Radio. Um, coming at you from Sydney, tail end of my um, my trip over here in Australia. Uh, and as per usual, we're gonna we're gonna make a habit of tagging at Red, White, and Jordan um, because I miss him. And the only way that we stay in touch is when we listen to old episodes of the podcast. If you think I'm joking, um, you don't know me and Jordan that well. Um, if you haven't gone back and listened to episode one yet, I highly suggest you do that. That's my favorite. We actually, that's the one, <laughs> that's the one episode we actually edited. So up until this point, everything you've heard is just us off the cuff. Um, but episode one, we, we said some stuff, uh, and more particularly Junta, Junta said some stuff that the airwaves just wasn't ready for. So we actually, we, we cut that. It's in the archive. I think when we get to a million downloads, we'll release it. So Junta, I'm sorry, but I've sided you up for this shit. Um, and we've made hollow promises in the past about me releasing a video with Brett Contreras doing hip thrusters. Um, that'll never see the light of day. But Junta, hand to God, when we make a million downloads, bro, I'm putting that on the fucking internet. You know I still have it. Um, yeah, so got a lot of great feedback last week off the Kyle Trainer episode. Those of you who haven't listened to it yet, I highly suggest going back and doing that. Um, just just a switched on kid, like when it comes kid, fuck, listen to me, go old time shallow here. Um, just a switched on guy when it comes to business. I'm very well read, just just very aware. Um, just very aware, very mindful, and starting to draw the difference between the two, like almost like a two step process where like the awareness comes first. Great quote from the last episode is consciousness is not perceiving and knowing, it's perceiving and knowing and knowing that you know. And that's something that's resonated with me since my time with Kyle last weekend in Melbourne. Um, to all of you who have reached out about the Prescript Level 1 Certification Coaching Course, holy shit, um, overwhelming response, really excited about this. It's We're just about all systems go right now. If you're looking to get information on the course, open enrollment will be coming sometime this week. I want to say Wednesday this week. Um, if you have not signed up to receive the information for open enrollment, uh, limited first semester class, I want to say we're at 30 We've had a couple hundred people reach out at this point. So you're going to want to get on that email list. You're going to want to watch. For when that release goes up, I want to say it's going to be Wednesday. So head on over. Um, at this point, we've received so many DMs and, and emails and the like that we're only really going to be taking inquiries through the subscriber list. So if we head on over to www.pre-script.com, sign up to the subscriber list. The email will be going out again. I want to say Wednesday through our subscriber list. If you've messaged me already and I've told you like, Hey, your name's on the list, fucking bet your bottom dollar. I put your name on the list personally. Um, so we're going to run a 16 week course. And by the end of four months, we're going to have our, our first graduating class of prescript level one coaches. It's going to be awesome. We're going to run our calls a week. I'm going to run the whole, the whole course curriculum. Um, so I'm going to be on the calls teaching the curriculum. Um, course by course. Um, so we're going to have four separate calls a week to accommodate from for a lot of different time zones. So we have you know a huge response in the UK, huge response in Australia, and then obviously Canada and the US and places in between. So we're going to try and accommodate as best we can for everyone. Um, 
everyone in different time zones. So keep an eye out for that. If you haven't been on the list, make sure you head over to pre-script.com. Now this coming September, this coming September, like a week from now, um, I'm going to be jumping on the Prescript hypertrophy programming it's programming. I wrote sort of my, sort of my baby this year has been that project. Um, and once we got the powerlifting programming up and running, we got some of our lifters through meets. The hypertrophy one was highly, um, was highly sought after. Um, so a lot of cool principles in there and stuff that we'll be teaching within the, within the prescript level one coaching course is kind of the fundamentals of each one of these programs and how we, we go about exercise selection, tempo, exercise order, variation, progression, things like that. So the hypertrophy course on the back end has a lot of moving parts, but on the front end, all you guys see is reps and sets and tempo and duration and rest periods and things like that. Um, so I'm going to be starting that on September 1st, and I'm going to be documenting that over Instagram with the help of a few friends when it comes to some metrics side. Now, if you listen for a long time, you know I don't like metrics. I don't like a fucking wristband to tell me what to do. Um, and I'm, you know, with my uh, atypical, call it nomadic lifestyle, um, you got to train when you got to train, right? So optimize when you can, adapt when you have to. So I think that's going to be cool just to see how fucked up my sleep gets. Um, you know, I'm about to embark on life. 15 hour flight to LA. Um, so those of you in LA, I'll be in LA all week. If you want to train, hit me up. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to start to track some metrics, but I'm going to be working with our friends at MetroLife. So that's, if you don't know Paul O'Neill, he's been on the episode or on the podcast a few times. And if you don't know um, one, Mr. Jay Neasy, AKA Jay Nira, um, you know, just two awesome lifters, awesome coaches, very, again, we find ourselves in front of more and more um, aware and mindful people. Uh, they are, top of the list and if you've listened to the episodes with them you'll know why uh jay's podcast is actually coming up next week um so really looking forward to that um so i'm going to be using metrolife um, to kind of track the subjective progress on my day-to-day um, they have some really neat scoring systems and they have some really neat updates coming in the app again guys like we don't do sponsors we just hang out with cool people that do cool shit um and easy and and, and mr O'Need there have been doing some cool stuff on the back end especially for some meatheads who've dusted off the or traded in the the belts for bandwidth um and, and you know turned into app developers and, and entrepreneurs um so they run a really cool product called metro life and so we'll that'll, we'll talk more about that with jay next week on the show so i'm going to be using metro life i haven't figured out what conventional fitness tracker i want to use yet um biggest interest is going to be in sleep and with the lifestyle it's going to be tough for me with some of like Apple Watch, um, or ring things that just need charging uh, every so often. So there's a couple bands and things that I'm I'm leaning towards. So I'm going to kind of see like subjective, objective superimposition, and how that works with my lifestyle and my programming. Just to kind of again, this will change nothing. You know, if a fucking band says I'm at a two readiness, whatever, I'm still gonna fucking train. Um, but it's just a project I wanted to take on for the month of September and I wanted to kind of get some people behind me for the Prescript Hypertrophy program. So if you haven't, um, if you haven't joined Prescript or if you are a member and you're listening, September 1, we go live. I'm going to be doing a lot of my first workouts. I'm actually really excited about the month and just training in general. Um, I'm going to be in Venice Beach training at Gold's. Then I'm going to fly out to uh, New York and I'm going to be training at Drive 495 with the man himself, Disco Don Saladino. If you don't know Don, you will. Um, very, very influential person in my life. Very, uh, very generous dude. Owns a wicked gym. Celebrity trainer, and he's got a he's got a rig on himself. Don's kind of a kind of a cover boy, um, cover pretty boy. But I've actually been doing Don's programming for the last twelve weeks. 
put on put on some great strength, but made some great strides in his um, his mobility, his positioning as well. So Don will be on the podcast upcoming. I'm going to stay with him at his place the week following. So we'll be in LA the first week, New York the second week. Me and Benny are going to be in West Virginia, um, West Virginia the. The uh, Friday, September sixth, DMV Iron. DMV Iron is one of the coolest fucking gyms in the Northeast, and I would argue at this point in America, Leo and the guys out there, they just do it right. Um, the equipment selection, the layout of the gym, the lifters, everyone's super friendly, but they're into it. They're about it for sure. So really looking forward to that. This will be the second one at at um, DMV Iron this year. Just gonna come in, do three hours. Me and Ben, just you know, we're just gonna kind of riff. Um, Tickets are going fast, so if you're in the area, I want to say it's Richmond, Virginia, or the Washington area, tri-state area, by all means, um, message Leo over Instagram, DMV Iron, um, try and get tickets if there's any left, and then, um, so I'll obviously train when I'm there, then from there, go to head down to Miami, spend a week with Steph, train at a hybrid, um, it's been my home away from home this year, um, love that place, just Miami, the Wynwood area, and the new gym they've opened up, if you haven't been, like, it's, again, just not plugging anything, just cool friends doing cool shit. Um, you know, I'm the, I'm the guy who's, like, friends with the guy that owns the boat, right? Anyone's ever heard that Bill Burr joke? It's like, you don't want to be the guy that owns the boat. So, like, pretty lucky to have friends all over that just have fucking badass gyms. So, um, Miami, I'll head back to Windsor for a night, up to Toronto. Toronto, we're teaching level four um, integration execution in Stouffville, Ontario, right outside of Toronto with Good Life. Um, so, prescript.com pre-script.com slash courses. So Good Life Trainers, the rest of the calendar year is up and available and we're scheduling into next year as well with Burnaby and Calgary on the, on the docket. Um, level three and level four coming early and mid next year. Um, then we go from Toronto over to Manchester. Um, so we'll finish off September at at uh, Fitline in, um, in Manchester, which I think is the home of one jordan peters i'm expecting to walk through that gym and kind of see him like sasquatch like just this massive fucking animal with like a 4xl t-shirt just like you know sort of like slugging off in the corner like kind of looks off to the side and like little black and white images um so i'm going to see if i can't corner jp for a, uh, for a podcast if you're listening and you follow train by jp give him a tag be like hey rx radio's coming to town hey jordan's coming to town um spoken with spoken with jordan peters uh a handful of times now he's he's i've sought counsel in training programs and stuff with him super sharp dude and he's just a fucking animal um so i'm really looking forward to to not only kicking off this month getting back to the roots getting back to the program that i sort of blood sweat and teared over um with the prescript hypertrophy so if you want to join me you want to join the rest of the team um we're going to be going you know we're going to be going live every other day we're going to start talking nutrition based off like you know hypertrophy principles start talking about exercise selection exercise order exercise tempo um and then we're rolling out the level one course so um head on over to prescript.com put your name on the subscription list uh, or the subscriber list rather sign up start wednesday um kind of follow me through the month we're going to be doing this cool little project with MetroLife, um the boys jay and paul and then we're going to be um We'll find a fitness tracker that I'm going to superimpose on top of that. We're going to go to some badass gyms. We're going to get some good lifts in with some awesome people. Um, speaking of awesome people, enough paying the bills, right? Fuck. I'm sorry, guys. Like You guys are used to me just jumping in. But um, speaking of awesome people, Luke Tulloch, um, you know what? You're almost at a loss for words. Like I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in conventional education. Like I've sat through... 
undergraduate and graduate level courses for physiology, biochemistry, and it's just like I never got it. Like I, I you know, I can pass a test, sure, answer C, whatever. But like, you know, Luke Tullock taught with me when I was in um, Sydney, and just his ability to like take extremely complex and like I think the shit I talk about is kind of like fuck man like I talk about reps and sets and bicep curls and squats and deadlifts and shit he goes like base level code shit like peels the face off of humanity and goes this is what we're made of um and then he, he you know he, he relays the why and he does so in such like an eloquent way that like I really just I learned so much from like not just what he delivered but how he delivered and you guys will see this rain true when he um when he speaks on the podcast upcoming, like this episode is a, a sit down I had with Luke. We caught up in Sydney this weekend and just like, just, just, just has it figured out. Like, fuck, across the board, you've, you know, I, you know, your network is your net worth and, and having this dude, um, you know, having his cell phone number now, I uh, got you, man. The podcast is a ploy just to get people's cell phone number. Um, just to have him in the network is such an honor. Like, just the way he conducts himself is just professionalism to a T like even if biochemistry is not your bag physiology and we don't talk much into the into the weeds like we sort of get into like a little bit around you know what it is that people trip up or, or overcomplicate or you know can't bring to application but you know he's so well read and well versed like the thing with Luke is is just his focus is about just becoming a better person and you know in the, the one of the vehicles in which he does that is teaching teaching um biochemistry and, and physiology his his background conventionally or um is is in um is in neuroscience so he really wrangles um he really wrangles um, advanced topics but it's it's more so the it's the thrill of the hunt with this guy man like it's, it's never an end goal and i think like there's so much to be learned from from someone like that who takes on willingly like a cross to bear that's so heavy like that. That is something that I got through and I just fucking by the skin of my teeth. Me and Junta. Junta, if you're listening, if you're not listening, like fuck you, man. Like, come on. We're out here making this thing happen. But I know you're listening and you're probably listening while you're making steaks. Keep tagging everyone. Everyone keep tagging Junta in your steak videos. We're going to make this world a better place one heart disease at a time. Um, but no, I remember, I remember me and Junta there's like the matriculation numbers, like your student numbers. So what we do is there was a cutoff, like the passing of, you know, when you're in grad school, you have to pass with a 70%. And fuck, if we weren't right on that cutoff every single time, like just by the skin of our teeth, getting by physiology, getting by biochem, and like to sit down for three hours and listen to Luke Tollick knock it out of the park, do so in a way that kept you engaged, and then, you know, actually be able to solidify these things that have just been so foreign to me for so long. Like, and again, you'll hear the delivery and we're not going to get into the weeds on, on too deep into the actual content of his, of his presentation, just more like content of his character, like such fucking good dude, like a Renaissance man. Like just, he seeks out obstacles. Like he seeks out challenge. It's a great pairing, um, off of last week's episode with, with, um, with Kyle Trainer, like this is someone who lives these principles that we spoke about last week and does so in a, such an effortless and seamless way, man. Like really cannot say enough good things. If you're interested, and we talk about this in the show, but Luke runs a really cool um, membership site that's based around upskilling around these subject matters. And like, again, I can't stress enough how, how simple and applicable and essential he makes these things. Like if you're a trainer, you're a coach, if you're a fucking clinician, like if you're a chiropractic student and you don't know this, like I've had this bite me in the ass where it's like, I don't know some of this base level code shit. And then, you know, you're going to miss something. 
and just the way he delivers the content and the effort and the passion that he puts into it it's so like it's so palpable that like you can't help but be engaged with the stuff he talks about but i'll let you i'll let you decide just how awesome you think mr Tullock is um i think he's fucking amazing i think you guys will think the same um so without any further ado guys um here's the episode i've recorded with luke Tullock. um uh, and we'll put all the show notes, all the links, Instagram and all that in the, in the, in the show description. But yeah, hope you guys, hope you guys enjoy. So like hit me with like the alarm goes off at what time? 4.30. Every morning. Every day. Jesus. Yeah. You know, being old, like, and I started to think about this, like being old for me is like going to be a very natural transition. Yeah. Like I'm up early. I'm relatively upset. And if people, if I had a lawn, <laughs> I would want people to get off my lawn. So yeah. it's like, man, I've been yeah. 65 years old since I was like 10. Oh, no, man. So 4.30 a.m. 4.30 a.m. I get up. I deal with like a couple of emails and shit. I make coffee. And then I kind of do that online shit and get it out the way. And then I walk to work at like 5.30, uh, get to work, train people in person for two or three hours, train myself, get home, uh, eat. And then I'm like into research, trying to take notes on that. Eventually that gets built into content. So like my process is like I read all the research first, I make my own notes, I refine the notes, and then I put them into like, okay, what does this look like as part of a piece of content for people online? When you're in high school and you like sat down with like a guidance counselor, I don't know if they do that in Australia. They, but do, they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you, what did you tell them? Like, I guess the, the <laughs> 16 year old Luke Tullock, I'm imagining just his majestic a hair and beard situation going, <laughs> Luke, what do you want to do when you grow Man, up? Man, I have no idea. Even still to this day? Yeah, well, look, it's like when I, when I finished school, I went and did a business degree because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I guess doing business would be good because that applies to everything. Yeah. And I did a year of that and I was like, this sucks. So, <laughs> so then I went and just did personal training while I worked out what the hell I wanted to do with my life and kind of just loved that. And so I was like, fuck, I'll, I'll try and learn something more about this. Let's go back to school. Um, and then I, I was still interested in other stuff. So I, I ended up doing a double major in, in arts and in biology. As you do. Yeah. That's literally left and right brain looking yeah. across the eye going, what the fuck? So I was sitting in philosophy classes and biochem classes in like the same semester. And that was like interesting. <laughs> that has to be actually like from, an, and you could speak on this probably better than anyone. And that has to be just the contrast in the way your brain would work to synthesize that information itself. Mm. Extremely taxing. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like it's it's a total switch of modes. It's a switch of like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you you must know this. Like when you get stuck into when you're working on something and your mind's buzzing a certain way and you get interrupted, and how it, you just it pulls you out of it and it's so hard to refocus. Oh. It's like that where you're just you're sw completely switching gears. But I also think that like I don't know if it's necessarily health and fitness that I love so much. I think it's just knowledge in general. Like my wife will tell you, like I research the shit out of anything that I get into, right? Like I got into coffee, I researched the shit out of it. Like, so now I'm like a big fucking coffee nerd. I'm one of those hipster geeks that knows exactly what origin he likes and how he likes it brewed and the ratio of coffee to use and all that sort of shit. And, you know, I got into cooking a bit. I was like, I want to know how to cook properly. Like, so how do I do that? <laughs> and you can see, the, you can see it. the food lab. Oh, that's the book I, I got right here. It's all about the science of cooking. Because I was like interested, like, and that's something that when I, I have the privilege to be like, welcome into people's homes to record yeah. podcasts. I am always sussing out like the, the book thing. And I literally saw um, Jerusalem and then I saw 
what is it, salt acid fat? Yeah. Meat. Um, yeah. I saw that and I was just like, really? I was expecting <laughs> laundry, but across the table, I'm looking at Netter's Anatomy. Like yeah. that I know. But like <laughs> yeah. the contrast. Yeah. Now, do you mean like, is, is there some, there's something to be said about like adaptability mm. between like, you know, I, we spent a lot of last, last week talking about skill acquisition. And like, mm. I find in early stages of skill acquisition, what fails is the coordination. It's like yeah. building those synapses. It's, it's, it's tying things together that actually, like I compare it to my dog. Like I have a German Shepherd. And the only way I can tire him out, like I can fucking throw the ball until my arm falls off. He's a thoroughbred. Yeah, he's got to think, right? Yeah, he's got to think. Yeah. And I feel like, fuck, man, there must be something to be said about your ability to switch genres from Netter Anatomy, which is like the densest anatomy <laughs> textbook there is, to Jerusalem. Yeah. The awesome <laughs> and Sammy Telemi's, you know, cooking book of the Mediterranean. Yeah. Like, that has to, like, there has to be almost like a biphasic response where you're first just like, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. But then as, as everything starts to sort of sink and you start to get some base level fundamentals like how you do one thing is how you do everything yeah so now like there must be a visceral spike in your output the fact that you can draw into coffee physiology neuro arts fucking israeli cooking like it has <laughs> like there's something we, i think that is that is a living embodiment of what made like renaissance thinkers so mm, great right and totally think of sports performance like early out of early specialization seems like if you read range totally man by I, david 100 Hundred percent. I think like that. That's really important to me. Is just like training and nutrition is really cool, and I think that's the missing piece of a lot of people's life. But the the what we're trying to do is we're trying to be better humans, right? Better humans all around. And so, like, <laughs> you don't spend much time on the internet, do you? <laughs> <laughs> more and more, I have to. Right, man. Yeah, we can get into that, but fuck. But you know, it's like so. I agree. It's like specialization is cool and it's allowed us to, to like get where we are as a society. But the, the big thing is that you got to just be better in general. And for a lot of people, what they neglect is the physical side of things, the training side of things, the, uh, the nutrition side of things, that kind of stuff. Like, uh, I mean, the, the amount of like lawyers and, and bankers that I see that just like neglected their physical development this entire, their entire lives. And now that's like their massive glaring weak spot as becoming a better human. Um, you know, whereas for me, like I'm at a point with my training and stuff, it's like I could, I could push harder. I could put on more, more muscle. I could get stronger, but I don't want to because that's not my massive weak spot. Right, my massive weak spot is other areas. It's being creative. It's like you know, so like, I play guitar and stuff now. Like, I need to work on that shit. Like, that's going to make me better. That's going to make me a more a creative thinker and more well-rounded. So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm coming out with it, I guess. Do you? Is it hard to apply the own like the principles you teach to yourself sometimes? Like, yeah, I mean, to sit up there and I've like I've gone through at graduate school levels the stuff mm. that you've taught, mm. and like I sat and had lecturers explain stuff to me. You know. Krebs cycle, ATP, you know, glute four, all this stuff. And it's like, I've heard it 10,000 times. And in the what, three and a half hours you spoke on Saturday, I got it better than, than any professor that I've yeah. had before. How is it difficult when you're, you're constantly synthesizing to make applicable for other people? Is it hard to apply that stuff to yourself sometimes? Yeah, I think it is. Like, it always is. And it's, I think anything can go as deep as you want it to go. You know what I mean? Like we could we could take the the biomechanics or the nutrition down to such a granular level that it doesn't even make sense anymore. Like you can't conceptualize it anymore. Um, but you can also pull back and you can say it's just sets and reps, or you can say, look, man, eat enough protein, eat your vegetables, go to bed on time, 
done. You know, so <clears throat> I think there's a there is a gap between uh, applying it and seeing the bird's eye view, and then seeing the details and making sense of that, and seeing how it links to other stuff as well. Like that's that's the challenge, and I think sometimes that's where my role is. Is like I'm not quite your average Joe. I'm not quite a PhD fucking researcher who spent 20 years studying like amino acid uh, absorption or something. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know anything to that granular detail, but at the same time, I'm not the average guy on the street. I'm something in between. And so I'm trying to like, if I can bridge that gap and you kind of get a mix of both of those things, I think that's kind of where we want to be, where it's like, we know the mechanisms, we know the details, and that stuff's kind of important, but at the same time, let's pull back and see how it fits in overall. Yeah, I like how that's like a two-way street though too, right? Because I Absolutely. feel like when we sat in on that seminar, it's such a range, right? We had you know mm -hmm. almost 60 people the first day, and you have some people who are very high-level thinkers and, and very granular in detail. Like I, I use the analogy of like, rather than being an artist, you want to be an ophthalmologist. Mm -hmm. And I think watching you go through that range of depth and going both ways with it, like, okay, it was almost like, obviously we both have vision problems and yeah. probably staring in front of computers and learning the shit that we've learned has not <laughs> helped that. But like, it's almost like you, you, put, you put a filter up in front of part of the class and you go, better one or two. Yeah. And then you put it up to the other side of the class, better one or two. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, it's filtering and seeing in higher resolution depending on what part of the spectrum they are. Because I think a lot of people are, they're one-way thinkers. Mm. It's like, okay, I'm going to dumb things down. But it's like, what if you have someone who's like, very, like is elevated and you need to pick up where they are on the spectrum and then push them further. Mm. But that was a cool thing to be like, here's how this works. Here's like demyelination and here's how important all this dietary interventions are. And it's like, here's the very granular stuff. And there are people there who are like, you know, they're, they're sitting at a, just a branch below that and they're grasping at this concept and you see them fucking, mm. and as a presenter, you see it and it's fucking amazing. And then you see someone go like, just sitting at the base of the tree going, I can't, I can't reach that. But then you go, <laughs> hey man, eat your vegetables. Here's like a little bit wide. So like to be able to go both ways with that is really like, I think that's a really special thing to be able to do because most people just have that one track. Yeah, I totally agree. But that's the hard thing, right? Like when you're presenting to 60 people, you know there's going to be a ton of from every walk of life coming in there. When you've got a group of 10, it's like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing here and I can pitch this at a different level. So that's very challenging. Um, but it's cool to watch. And I think like, you know, both on the research end of things and on the, you know, the ground floor where you're actually doing stuff, there's got to be back and forth between those two camps. And that's why we didn't start getting anything you could consider close to quality research coming out in the training field until like a few years ago. And even then, like it's not, it's not there. I mean, you and I talk about that a lot. Like it's the, the research is not there because it's not uh, executed to a high standard in terms of like movement quality and standardizing all of those things yet. I think it will get there though. And like you need that crosstalk for things to actually be worthwhile, right? Yeah. Now, how is it that when you apply this to your clients, w w if we look across the three pillars of evidence, you know, mm -hmm. like your experience as, as a lifter, your own experience as a coach, you know, we're looking at the empirical evidence of best practice research, meta-analysis, all that crap, and then consideration of the actual values and outcomes and goals of the client, which I think is one most often overlooked when it comes to evidence-based practice. What do you find rules the roost when it comes to impart imparting evidence-based practice on a day-to-day -day basis with clients? Which one of those pillars? Look, I think it, like it all comes down to the context of the client. Like at the end of the day, you, like a study and a meta-analysis and all of that is going to report averages and data, right? You're not dealing with an average in front of you. You're dealing with a human being. And that human being has their own 
life going on, their own variables going on and that sort of stuff. So to me, that takes the absolute priority. That's always got to be first in your mind. As a coach, you would have seen like a ton of situations that they might have been in before. You know what works, you know what might not work so well. And it's it's your goal to try and mix all of those together and then deliver something that is actually executable by the person in front of you. Like I, I don't give a shit how optimal this program is. If this person's not going to do it or they're not bought into it, it doesn't matter, right? Um, I think it's important for my clients though and why they come to me is not because I'm the sort of cheerleader kind of coach where they're coming in and they're having a good time and there's high fives all around, right? Like I don't do butt slaps, right? <laughs> I got <laughs> Sorry, ladies. <laughs> I got one client who I told her, she's been with me 18 months now and I've told her good on a lift or something, I think like four times maybe. Asian parenting. Like, yeah. That's the best way to do it, man. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's like, it's, it's liberating. Cause I, yeah, I, I definitely understand that from the psychological coaching perspective. Like, yeah. and you see, that's a cultural thing too. Like I noticed mm. that like in the, in the States, like everyone is very like raw, raw. It's like, no man, tell me, tell yeah. me it's shit. Challenge yeah. me. Like I think that's across the board, like that's integral for growth when it comes to like actually getting results for your clients. Yeah, I think so. And I you know, so I think, what those clients value in me is that if I tell them something, I mean it. And they know that I've done the back end work to try and understand how and why it's working. And my decision making pathways, like if I if I have an online client or any client come to me and they say, Okay, like here's all my metrics for the last like month or whatever it is, here's my check in, blah, blah, blah. And I go, Okay, cool, no changes. They know that I've put a lot of thought into that. There's a lot going through that whole decision matrix, like pinballing around to come to, okay, we're not gonna do anything this week. Whereas I think sometimes in other situations, it's kind of like a coach just kind of couldn't be fucked changing anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's almost like arbitrary. Like, yeah. And that's, it comes at a novelty and specificity, I think, mm -hmm. right? And that's what you see with a lot of like constant variations in programming. It's like, dude, we're not, we're not like, we're not trying to keep attention. It's not like a red ball or a silver, yeah. you know, like a thing of tinfoil. It's like we're trying to get results. Like if we're still trending in the right direction, why would we pull back? And I find like the more I can hit the nail on the head from the actual intake mm. and assessing the metrics and assessing the psychology of the client I'm working with, the more effectively I can implement a program that will hopefully sustain longer term. Exactly. So like when I get like, yeah, hey, no changes, again, hopefully you have the buy-in from that, like not being like, oh shit, like I'm fucked. Well, we're going to extend this for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Dodge a bullet there. But like, no, 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 like we're trending in the right direction. Like everything's being managed within range and we're, and we're making the adaptations necessary. And fuck, like if I have to change a program every two weeks, it's like, I'm fucking up. Yep. Right? And totally. I, think, I think there's such a value in that, but it's, it's inundated with like the industry we're in is inundated with just like, you know, hey, I saw this lift on Instagram. Can I do it? Mm. Like, do you have to do it? Is it is it in line with your goals? Can yeah. you do it? Like that looks dangerous. Yeah, but yeah. How how is it that you navigate then? Like, I mean, you've carved out a very specific niche as someone mm. who's you know very well educated and, and well respected by the clients and and colleagues in your field. How is it that you? How is it that you digest the crap on the internet that when people that speak out of, out of turn or out of their lane or out of context? Like, do you got Instagram you got sixty seconds, Twitter you got mm. one hundred and forty characters? Like, this is not the medium in which to have these conversations. Like, I see other academics go down the route of slamming other people. Like, yeah. you keep a very diplomatic, even keel approach. Yeah, man. How do you how do you deal with that? I think that's really important. Like, I think my attitude just went from like, hey, I'm here to help people, and being condescending and aggressive 
is not what I want to be. Like there's people out there doing it. They're doing the call out thing on Instagram and all that stuff. And it's, dude, like it's just creating more negativity in an industry that is fucking inundated with negativity. You know what I mean? I think for me, it's so frustrating that we've lost this ability to have a fucking conversation and to actually debate stuff and to like better each other through debate. Like if, if you told me, hey man, like I saw you posted something and I don't really agree with it and here's why, it's like, I'm going to take your opinion on board because I respect you and I know you've thought it through and I know you're not having a go at me. You're trying to help me out. And I would try and take that on board and be like, okay, cool. This is why I'm doing it. We have our reasons. We learn from each other. That's how it's supposed to be, right? Um, there's a lot of crap out there and I just sort of changed my attitude and said, you know what? I don't think most of these people have ill intentions. I think they just don't know any better. And how can you blame them if they don't know any better? It's then your goal to try and educate them, ask them why they say that thing, make them think for themselves why they're saying what they're saying. Some people, look, they're putting out information without really knowing what they're talking about and I don't think that's a great thing but I, th I think the percentage of people that are like genuinely like don't give a fuck is actually pretty low, you know? So I think just taking that attitude of, okay, people are asking me stupid questions or they're saying stupid things. You know what? 10 years ago, I knew jack shit. What if this was the first time I was coming across some fresh information that's fairly basic for everybody else? I wouldn't want someone to be condescending to me. I wouldn't want someone to call me an idiot. Like, come on. Yeah, there, there is kind of like this lost idea of the collective rising tides raise all ships. Yeah. And it's just like, it's crazy to be in a situation to feel those questions. Like, I have to catch myself. I literally, I can pull up my DMs after I'll show you. A guy messaged me, he goes, hey man, I have like two weeks to a family reunion. Um, last time I was... Um, the, my family saw me. I was in really good shape. I'm not in really good shape anymore. Anything I can do, like, bro, two weeks? <laughs> Time machine. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. But it's like Jamie Smith from Melbourne Strength Culture said it really well. It's like today's, today's problems were yesterday's goals. Yeah. And it's totally. like, man, how cool is it that this dude is reaching out to me and like messaging me about this? Like, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a silly question, sure. But like, I got two minutes on taking a shit to message this guy yeah, back. Yeah, totally, right? man. Totally. But yeah, I don't know. Like, the, I don't know if it's egocentrism or what it is, but like this this lost idea. Maybe it's the anonymity of the internet mm. or this, you know, firing shots across the bow of an anonymous medium like an Instagram or YouTube. But like, it, I, I don't know where we sort of lost our way. I think that's a big piece of it, dude. I think that's a really big piece of it. And I also think it's like when you do that, you get more attention. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between having attention and having attention that matters. Like, I don't care how big my Instagram following is if I've got a highly engaged audience that like interacts with me a lot and learn a lot from me and I'm actually reaching them, that's what I care about. Like who gives a shit? Like if you have 10,000 people that are like really into what you're saying, that's way better than having 100,000 people who just like look at your page because you call people out or because you post your ass up there all the time, right? Yeah, and I mean that, that lends itself to like a good transition into the business side of things, right? Mm. Like I read a book, A Thousand Real Followers, and it was that basically that idea. It's essentially, number, what's your conversion rate into the closed mouth of your sales funnel online? Yeah. When is it that you started to see the online as like, you know, a viable means of making a living? Like this is... Well, yeah. I, I avoided social media for a long time because I hated the idea of it. Yeah. Um, and you sort of kick yourself when you don't get in on the ground floor with some of this stuff. But, you know, I had my values and, and I don't regret like sticking to that. But I think at some point I kind of realized like, listen, you can actually affect a lot of people's lives positively by doing this. And you've got to take the positive out of it rather than the negative. So anyway, um, honestly, man, I've been sort of trying to put stuff out there for, for quite a while. But the this year in particular, it's just blown up really quickly. So like January, I think... 
on Instagram, I had like maybe 2,000 followers or something like that. And I think I got like 17, 18,000 now, which is quite a quick turnaround. Um, and it was just a case of like being really consistent and posting stuff up there. And I knew it was good because like I've done the work. I've done the, the decade of like knowledge acquisition and, and trying things out. And I knew people were responding well to it. And it, it just took enough people taking notice that it started to snowball. And then I kind of realized like, oh shit, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people paying attention to what I say for whatever reason. They seem to like it. Um, this can turn into something, you know? Uh, and, and that was it. But I, like, I'm not fundamentally doing anything different. I'm still putting out the same information that I was before. Like I'm still trying to do that. Um, it's just that the, the, it happened to be like more people started paying attention. Is it difficult now that like the systems are in place and, and the business is, is, is growing to still have that drive? Was there like a hunger when you were building it for the past 10 years or was this just like, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to prompt too much because I, I think your answer would be similar to mine. Like, is there, is there almost like a, is there a relief now that it's, you know, this is what you do, you understand your lifestyle or is it still kind of status quo business as usual? No, I mean like, it's almost, it's almost like I, I want to fulfill the potential that I've been given, if that makes sense. Sure, like it's yeah. like, uh, I was building a lot of my material for like an online sort of education platform maybe four years ago I was doing that I didn't know how the hell to launch it I didn't know how the hell to get it to people so I kind of sat there and I just kept accumulating stuff and now I finally released it and nobody can get through it because there's just so much stuff there that I've put together but it was like this this thing of like well now I've actually got this platform to reach people it's almost like that drive to continue to to help people and to post quality information, everything is greater. You know what I mean? There's responsibility to it There's responsibility to it now, for sure. Like, whereas before it's like, so I don't know, I think people could see like, oh, I'm striving to break through. I'm striving for someone to notice me for the the following to blow up, all of that sort of stuff. And that will be great and business will be good and all of that. And it's like, yeah, but now, now I have a responsibility to all these people. And, and I got to continue to provide quality to them and all that sort of stuff. Well, I feel like a lot of people chase it down in the wrong order. They mm. chase the following first. It's like yeah. the, the following is a byproduct. 100%. The following is like, you know, what, you know, once you transcend yourself and the idea of ego and likes and that, and you just fucking start doing the damn work. Yeah. It's just like, and it's a weird thing to say. It sounds sort of esoteric, but like at the same time, like I've known it to be true in anyone who has a sustainable online business, especially in the fitness community because it's mm. somewhat of a fickle industry, but like, People focus like we get a lot of questions about this about the business development side, and it's like fuck, you can't fake it, man. Because like when the following breaks as a by, it's almost like you made this comparison with progressive overload. Yeah, where it's like maybe progressive overload is just an expression or a side effect of the strength you've accumulated, the muscle that you've accumulated. It's like maybe the following is just a byproduct of the work you've done. Totally. Like I have an article I got to kick out tomorrow for Lead FTS, and it's like oh fuck, like I've been in a different time zone. I was in the, I'm still in the Bahamas when I wake up. Because I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll run down the beach. It's like, no, you won't. Because you're in Sydney and it's kind of cold outside. Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, but like I have fucking 35 articles sitting in draft. It's like, hey, Dave Tate, there you go. Put that up, man. We'll yeah. see you next week. Yeah. And it's just like, this idea of compounding work. And it's like, what you, and it's just like, fuck, it's like training. It's like anything. It's like what you do when no one's looking. Because mm-hmm. like, now how much you said, like you can't even get through the content on your website. I could not even imagine how <laughs> much content you have on your website. Yeah. Is it, is it now like, is it, is it made, like how much of your day is, is business development? How much of your day is uh, allocated to like actual research? Like mm. how, where do you, where do you work in the business? Where do you work on the business? 
Business is a really hard thing for me. I like I don't think I I don't think I necessarily want it to grow to a point where the focus has to be on business. And some people want that. I don't think I want that. Um, it's like you you know, it's like you said if you if you're a personal trainer, let's give this example. Like you can't just go in as a fresh personal trainer and do the marketing and all this stuff first. You got to be a good trainer first, right? Like you would know this like better than anyone. You did all of the fucking grad school stuff. You you were like in the trenches treating people and all of that. That whole time you're accumulating knowledge and doing the work. And then over the course of like one or two years, it's like suddenly everything happens at once, you know? And it, but it is the expression of all of that work you've done. And so to me, that doesn't stop now. If I want a great future, like I'm I'm 31 years old this year. If I want a great future, it's like I've done 10 to 12 years of studying and researching and producing content every day. If I want 40 to be as good as 30, I got to keep doing that because that's what got me here. It's it's not like necessarily doing a lot of business stuff and trying to scale really big and all that stuff. I feel like I still need to stick to what I'm good at. So like my day is still mostly research. It's mostly producing content. On the business side of things, I've purposely kept things small. I don't have anyone who works for me. I don't have any business partnerships because what I'm trying to do is uh, is limit the amount of time that I got to spend on bullshit with the business. Now, I'm not saying like none of that stuff is not important, but I think if you're in the game the way I am, it's more personal development that's going to put me where I need to be. You know what, what, is, I mean? what does that look like? What does personal development look like? I like- think it's... It's hard to express, but I think part of it is, like I said before, becoming a well-rounded human being. Like I think a lot of stuff goes into that. So I'll give you an example. I don't really read a lot of nonfiction outside of my professional stuff. Like I don't really like it. I read fiction, which you go, well, how is that making you better? Well, it's exposing you to different ideas. It's, it's putting you on another planet. You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. It's playing music and getting involved in that. It's... Uh, it's fostering relationships with people around me. It's kind of trying to find myself a little bit, I suppose, bit by bit um, and availing myself to different stuff outside of what I normally do. That stuff to me makes me a better person, but then it makes me better able to, d- to deliver what I'm doing to people. It makes me better able to connect with them and to understand them and to deliver the information in a way that's digestible to them. So to me, I think like that is self-work to me. Like reading a book, a fantasy book in bed, like every night to me that's actually that's working on myself that's like einstein they said they came up he came up with a theory of relativity while working at the patent office yeah it's like if you're yeah. ever familiar with a way a patent office works it's probably the most mundane totally. job in the world but it was it was that it was that like allow like you talked about it in the seminar like mm-hmm. when you actually when you learn the skill like you reference playing guitar you actually learn it while you sleep yeah right like you, totally. you lay down you're trying to bridge these these networks and create these connections and fuck if you can't go from a c minor to a g chord to save your goddamn life but you wake up the next morning like freeze up like what like the free prefrontal cortex yeah. or something like that yeah and allows for that change to be made like i think it's it, there's such an urgency with the immediate gratification and like the the neurochemical response that social media drives. You mm. see people because I think this is how this like hate fucking slam shit started. It's like there's no diversity in content anymore when one thing hits. It's like oh man, I like totally ripped this bikini girl and everyone loved it. Like, yeah, dopamine dump, dopamine dump, and next thing you know, every fucking Instagram post from there on in is like 
just shit posting different people. Absolutely. And it's just so like reptilian brain. Like, do you keep a finger on the pulse of that or do you just do your thing? And it's a Darwinism. Like, hey, people like it. They, they, they like it. If not, like, I'm just going to do me, my truth. That's it. Or do you go like, okay, there's an industry shift here. Like paleo diet's really big. Maybe mm -hmm. we should cover that. Kale, fuck kale. Like, let's chat about that. <laughs> like, do, do, is, there, is there a conscious awareness of trends within the industry or do you just go, ah, I want to talk about this. This is pretty neat prevailing research. Let's go. I think it's a little hard to avoid that completely, right? To like not take any notice of it. But I really do. Like I started unfollowing a lot of accounts because I was just like, listen, I spent so much fucking time on this thing. I don't want to look at everything else that everybody else is posting, uh, you know. And there are some people putting out some really good content that I do actually look at. Um, but a lot of the stuff on my Instagram is like food and guitar and stuff. It's like not fitness related. Like I want to get out of that space a little bit. So I think I pay attention to what rings true for myself and what is helping the most people within my following. Like if I post something and I get a really big response out of it and there's a lot of comments and messages like, hey, this helped me, this was cool or whatever, I definitely pay attention to that. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to post some more stuff about that because apparently it's struck a chord with people and that's great. That's kind of what I'm after. Um, but I'm not trying to like chase a trend or... Um, you know, trying to anticipate like, oh, this could be big or whatever. Um, I think it's more just trying to like be as helpful as I can. And at the end of the day, if it's not interesting to me, I don't post it. Like I get people asking about me posting like, what do you eat every day? Like, let's, what, what's your training session look like? <laughs> and it's so boring to me. Like it just doesn't, it's so uninteresting that I don't really want to do it. 10 by 10 rows and yep. protein shake and a fucking monster energy drink. Or exactly. Something. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said about like the actual simplicity of it all. At the end of mm. the day, here you have someone who's thought about it to the granular level and then you can bring it back and go, yeah, it's reps and sets. Totally. Right? Like, but here's, well, here's why. Here's, here's yeah. a dissertation as to why because I think there's such a there's such a paralysis by analysis Huge. when it comes to the academic and that, that's why I think like your your just I mean you're scratching the surface and like your trajectory of where you're going but it's like when the rubber hits the road the go and get tough when the tough gets going it's mm -hmm. just like in your field especially in your field like I see guys who try and lecture on what you lecture on and it's like bro the heaviest thing you ever lifted was a fucking clipboard man yeah totally and it's just like they're not willing and because it's that level of paralysis by analysis like oh god like 45 minutes stress response like oh we're gonna mm -hmm. train for 45 minutes and then oh my hrv is bad oh god like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. bro like you're you become this like physiological hypochondriac and a yeah. slave to the data that's a great that's a great thing Do you know what i hate is when people kind of treat everyone like they're made of glass like the human especially the human mind but the human like being in general is highly adaptable. It's the reason we fucking survived so many thousands of years of evolution. Uh, you know, we can adapt and pretty much deal with anything, any stressor. We're really, really fucking good at it. Um, you know, and so like a hundred percent, like at the end of the day, something's got to be practical. You've got to be able to fucking do it, you know, like, and I think it's really important to know the why behind it. I hundred percent think that's super important, but actually doing it is more important, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I always lead off with like the tell me what peanut butter tastes like. Exactly. Right? Like you're trying to relay perception as a coach and it's like you don't have a chance in hell of doing that. And I think it's only the people who, who they miss that pillar of evidence within themselves that look look purely to the data, purely to the numbers. Who That's your, that's your fragile crowd, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, fuck, man, like you're worried about my, like a plastic Tupperware container. It's like, 
Yeah. I, I, one of my best friends was hooked on crystal meth for like six months. Yeah. He's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really? You're worried about some like, like what are BPAs or some shit or Man. like glass water? But it's like, sure, opt, optim- and I said this on the weekend, it's like optimize when you can, but mm-hmm. adapt when you have to. Exactly. And it's like, I think that's the animal versus the machine, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we are still, and hopefully, fuck, we still maintain animals and we don't have a, but you see the symbiotic relationship with technology now in the fitness industry and like, you know, technology is a great tool, but a better master. It's like, how do you keep at bay the primal drive and level of application and adaptation when surrounded within your field, the the uh, the circular, the, the the narrowing circles of technology, mm. like putting strictures on our experience? Yeah, that's interesting because I'm a like, I love a gadget. I think they I think they're just fucking cool. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a, a computer or a spreadsheet or like a new device. I think that's fucking cool and I want it and I like the shiny new stuff. But I think it comes back to like being able to experience it myself. I don't, my personality is very, very data driven and I kind of have to force myself to be like, you know, this number doesn't matter or whatever it is uh, when I'm training. I mean, I'm never, like I haven't gotten to the point where I've gotten an HRV monitor or whatever because I just like I don't think using it is going to make my life better it makes me feel more stressed it doesn't make me feel good about my training and at the end of the day like that's what I want to feel I don't really want to feel like I checked a box and it's like the numbers all say you did well but then it's like it doesn't feel right you know what I mean it's very very difficult and I think that the biggest challenge facing us now is integrating that technology into how we coach people because there's no replacement for a coach in front of you. Like there's a, there's a ton of people that are like worried about like, oh, personal trainers and stuff. They're going to become obsolete. You'll just have like a robo coach and an app that'll tell you how to train. It's like, fuck off, man. That like, that cannot interact with you like a human being can. It's just not going to happen, right? So I think the important thing is understanding that the data is there for us to interpret, right? So I would rather have as much data as I can possibly collect, but then choose, pick and choose what I want to use and how I want to use it. Will If I had a client who was like, look, I'm willing to get my blood pressure taken, I can give you like a blood panel, I can give you HRV, I can track my training volume, I can do all of this stuff. Should I do that? I'll go, look, if it's not going to make you neurotic, fine. I'll take as much data as I can get, but... I'm not making decisions off of like, oh, your HIV was bad, you're not training. I'm not making decisions off of your weight went down today, so we're going to take your calories up. I'm making it off of a multitude of factors that might include some of those factors. So that's kind of how I try and go about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the technology side, it doesn't seem to be going away. No. Right? But it's, it's the subjective piece that's missing. And I don't, the subjective piece is the human interaction. I really don't know how you can scale that. Like, I don't think that can be automated Mm. right and i think that's where if anything personal trainers should see that as a major opportunity like this makes you more valuable like this gives you more more data points but it's the interpretation like i always make the comparison i go i gotta stop doing this especially (laughs) when i teach in america but it's like there's a bible verse old testament i want to say it's kings uh two kings 22 23 Mm -hmm. which is it tells the story of um Oh, I can't believe I do this in public. Uh, it tells the story of, of this guy who gets picked on by kids and because he's bald. Right. And then the the, the god sends uh, two she-bears. Why they had to be she-bears. That's I'm not right. Really sure. yeah, and it comes down yeah. the hill. And 
and it mauls 43 children. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, Old Testament God was a gangster. <laughs> like, holy shit, bro. Relax. You got to kill the kids with she bears. But it's like, there's obviously an evolutionary utility to religion. There's something to be interpreted in the stories in the Bible. Otherwise, it wouldn't be around. I, I, don't, I don't fault that. But mm -hmm. it's the interpretation piece. Yep. If you're reading the research and you're applying it as dogma, it's like, oh, God, I've got yeah. some issues. And there's some texts you should probably stay away from. 100%. But it's like, it's the interpretation thing, right? Like, and I, I think there's something to be learned from that contrast. It's like, okay, that's all well and good. But, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not training a logbook. We're not treating a, a symptom. We're tr training a person. Mm -hmm. and we're treating a person. So it's just, it, it's hard to break people from that because technology, yeah. it's almost like, it's almost like Ivan Drago versus Rocky, right? Like yeah. everyone wants to be in a lab and the $6 million man, it's like fucking just lift weights, get hurt, scratch your knees, cry, yeah. put yourself back together. Like the most I've ever learned is when I have was made very aware what my blind spots were. Mm -hmm. Pain is knowledge really fast. Yep. And it's like, I was worried that would damage my credibility, but that's actually helped me in the long term because it's like, yeah. oh, well, you tear it back. It's like, go to that guy. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Tore, exactly. Tore, go to that guy. He's done it. So it's like there's there's knowledge to be found in mileage sort of thing oh totally and I, you know even the consequences of being wrong sometimes are not that bad you know what i mean like i have a lot of clients because i train a fair bit of just general population clients where it's like should i go up and wait i'm like yeah try it what's the worst that's going to happen you're not going to get the fucking five reps i wrote down you're going to get three reps so what you know like but if you get it it's like, wow, that's great. You know, like who cares? Try sh the shit out. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be so paralyzed by the fact that your HRV said you couldn't train, that you don't try it out and see what fucking happens. Yeah, every now and then like just RPE YOLO goes into a program. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah, exactly. We're going to lay out for this. But coming from a place knowing that we've laid down, and that's the thing, just like to say, hey, we're not going to make any change. There's a time and a place to like, Hey, fuck, man, we might have to go out on our shield. Mm -hmm. And I think that's only from experience do you know and get better over time at the ability to hit that nail on the head. Like yep. when that five reps comes in at five reps, when that one rep max comes in at a true one rep max, and it's like you, uh, people are just so afraid of getting it wrong that they end up like never gaining that experience in the first place, right? So yeah, it's like, absolutely. man, fucking make mistakes. Like no one's, no one's perfect, right? Totally, yeah, yeah. When it comes to your own training now, mm -hmm. Like I mean, obviously a simple approach. What what is it that you? What is your rank order of priority when it comes to like the day to day on the things that you you impart on your clients? Whether it's nutrition, like what are your what are your habits on like managing and optimizing where you can your own physiology? Being someone that that's kind of the central focal point to everything you teach. Yeah, um, my my personal thing is like massive consistency on the basic stuff. Like so. Many people will, will do the basic stuff right for some time, but where they fall down is the consistency of doing it all the time. So I don't compromise on my sleep. There's, there's no way, like, if we're not watching another Netflix episode, if it means I'm going to get to bed at like five past eight, that's not happening. I get to bed at eight o'clock. That's how it works. It doesn't happen any other way. Um, you know, getting enough protein every day. It's like, that's not negotiable for me. Um, you know, within that, I'm very flexible. You know, so the basic stuff, I think if you nail it, you're kind of like 85%, 90% of the way there. And it's the same with training. That's why I don't make it super fancy because I don't feel that it needs to be. Could I get more out of my training if I like, was a bit fancier, if I put a lot more effort into trying to program it and all that sort of stuff? 100% I could. 
But for me, it's like trying to really nail that basic stuff day in and day out that's going to get me to 90% of where I need to be. And then I can, that becomes so habitual for me that I can then turn my focus into other things. And then I can, I can make uh, gains in my, in my knowledge, in my research, in my guitar playing or whatever it is. Like that's then the focus for me. Like I'm at a point now where, I said this before on another podcast, I'm going to start like, showing my hubris here, but like I look better than 95% of people on the street. I'm in way better shape than them. You know what I mean? So for me to like put on a significant amount more muscle mass to get significantly leaner and the amount of effort and investment of resources that takes for me, I just don't feel it's worth it. I would rather put that effort into sharpening my mind or getting better at something else. You know what I mean? So like when I come into to myself and my training, it's very straightforward with like, okay, I need a requisite amount of volume. I need to put tension across fibers. It's sets and reps. It's just nail that shit. Um, but don't make it unreasonable so that you, you can't do that every single week, day in and day out. Um, and then I just have a hierarchy that I start moving up. So like, let's give it on the nutrition front. I make sure that I have the energy balance that I need. I make sure that I get the protein that I need. Then a level up from that is like, I make sure that I get the micronutrients that I need for my food. A level up from that, I make sure that I get my timing right. A level up from that, I take my supplements, right? If I can't take my supplements or if I can't get the meal timing right, I'm not too stressed because I know that the 90% is coming from getting in enough energy and getting in enough protein. That's pretty much it, man. Like, it's really simple, you know? Uh, so I try not to complicate things, but I just try and do stuff really consistently. Is that like a system that you impart on your clients? And if so, yes. like what is, what is the biggest barrier to consistency that you see with clients? It's, it's what they're willing to commit to, I think. Everybody has different priorities and they, they're often not sure what their priorities are. So they come in and they say, I want to have a six pack. And then they go on the weekend and they drink 28 beers and then they come back and it's like, yeah, I didn't sleep well. I didn't eat very well. I had 28 beers. It's like, okay, John, do you want a six pack or do you want to go and have fun every weekend? And it's not judgmental. It's like, if you do want to go out and binge drink on the weekend and not sleep and eat like kebabs, that's cool, man. Like have a blast, but don't come into me and then say, hey, I want a six pack and I want to train at my 100% every, every day of the week. Like it's just confused priorities. So I think it's, like I said to you just now, my, I don't really care about putting on an extra like three kilos of muscle. Like to me, I've got enough muscle to make me happy. I'm fine. Um, I would rather take the effort and, and the, yeah, the effort that it would take to do that and, and spend it somewhere else. And I think often with clients, that's where they're getting confused. It's like, um, I have that same priority system and I tell them, like you can get really, really far by getting enough sleep, getting enough protein, eating your vegetables and coming in here four days a week. How much of what you do both online and, and in person especially has nothing to do with physiology and has everything to do with psychology? Yeah, like probably 90% of it. Because I just looked, glanced over because the bookshelf is always like <laughs> just fascinated. Yeah. Two of the biggest chap, like two of the biggest versions that jump out, the biggest books are psychology too. Yep. And then human psychology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it is psychology, right? How is it that like you impart behavior change in your clients? Like what is what do you find from overcoming objection? Like mm -hmm. the the most the most common objection being that adherence to con uh, consistency, but what do you find like deeper than that? Uh, like psychological levels, what is it that people seem to be struggling with when it comes because I think like when people come to our seminars, they I, it, we bring together a synthesis of the information, mm. like, you know, between, like, through the lenses of experience and empirical research and, and like, um, 
and dealing with clients over time. But like that piece that seems to be the most, that's the, that's the, that's where you win mm -hmm. is like, even in a room full of 60, you understand that you understand yeah. that this guy's here and I need to talk to him. I, this is the branch. I need to extend mm -hmm. him to upskill him. This, this guy's up here and I, I need to be like, Hey man, look, big picture. How is it that you manage the psychological aspect, both in person and online? Look, it's tough um, because I think a lot of the time when people are coming in for training or nutrition or whatever, it's like they're trying to improve some aspect of their lives. They're not sure why. They want to be a better person. They're not sure how or why. And sometimes they're unhappy in some area of their lives, right? And it could be like anything. It could be a work or relationship or whatever. And they're kind of like using the training and the nutrition and trying to improve how they look as an outlet for that. And I'm not sure people often realize that. Um, so that's the tough thing is like, I'm, I'm not a, psych, a clinical psychologist. I can't necessarily work that out with people, but I think the feeling of improving and getting better and doing something well is really the most important thing for them. Like the outcome comes as a side effect of that. But if you're someone like, you know, is it more impressive that, uh, you know, a 22 year old guy can come in and train really hard and can bench 200 kilos? Or is it more impressive that like a 45 year old woman who works like 60 hours a week at a law firm can come in and eventually work her way up to benching 40 kilos? Like to me, the latter is more impressive and she's made more progress. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think she's got more to be proud of in a way because of that. Like, so I think it's, it's like trying to impart that feeling, that feeling of progress and getting better and, um, doing something meaningful, I suppose, is, is really important. And like, sometimes it's not training and nutrition that they need to be focusing on. It's other stuff. Like, I mean, I've spoken about that already, like just becoming a better human and getting better at other things. But I think that's really at the core of what we're trying to do, right? How, have you always had this kind of like more holistic outlook? Like when you got, when you got into training, like I was the biggest meathead ever, yeah, as you would imagine, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I remember, I remember trying to gain weight mm -hmm. and I was in second year undergrad and I had like my regular 4,800 calories tracked to a T, meal prep, giant fucking table full of every four <laughs> days. And I was like, oh, I got to gain weight, can't gain weight. I remember getting a delicio, like one of those oven baked pizzas, like 1,800 calories. And I added that every night for a week. Yeah. Day one, fucking best night ever, man. Yeah. Party on, Garth. <laughs> Day four, I'm just like, get in my face. And I was just like, I can't chew any more fucking food. But it's like, when did you start to have that switch between like, okay, there's more to it than this. Like there's more, like this is just reps and sets and there's a whole another human aspect. Like when did that transition start to happen? I think like originally I was kind of the same. Like I, I picked up uh, Westside Book of Methods and I just like followed that. And I was just like, I, w I mean, I was like 18 years old and I was a raw power lifter and it didn't make any sense as to why I would do any of that stuff. But I was just like, fuck yeah, these are the guys that are yeah. the strongest in the world. And I was just doing that shit, you know? So I kind of had the same thing, but eventually like I hurt myself. <laughs> I couldn't train like that anymore. And it's like a big ego check. And it's like, hey, like you can't be squatting real heavy anymore. Like you got to do single leg work now, man. And it's like, oh shit. Well, I'm, I'm doing step ups and split squats for the next like year or whatever it is. Um, and I think like slowly I started to just like remove my identity from like looking like I lifted and looking like I was strong and all of that sort of stuff. And I still struggle with that. Like I, I, you know, we all feel like it's hard to be wrong. It's hard to look bad in front of people. And I'm like slowly letting that go because like I hate looking like I'm wrong or I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's reality. That's the truth. And I think that's slowly developed and it's probably been, you know, once you've seen enough people and you kind of realize that, you know, you've dealt with this broad spectrum of individuals coming in, 
um, you know, what the training kind of really means to them, you kind of start to see that pattern emerging. And so I've been a trainer for nearly 12 years or 12 years now, I think. And um, yeah, it'll be 12 this year. And I don't know, I guess you just see enough people over time that it's maybe like four or five years ago, I started to think like, shit, man. I mean, a lot of this stuff is is kind of a corollary to what people are really looking for. Did, do you think you'd start to look at this like I, I almost see that more as like a legacy thing like watching what you're doing online and like just trying to have an impact and leave like sort of leave your mark do you mm. think you'd start to think did you did you assume or predict could you have ever predicted that you would start to think this way at such a young age like at 31 like you know you, you develop mm. the online course you're really trying to bring advanced concepts to like scaling down to the level of the individual and to instantiate change like is that a weird thing in retrospect to look back and be like like Man, I'm, I'm only 31. Yeah. Like, this is a weird thing. Like, because I still am 18, like, fucking railing Jack 3D yeah. workout <laughs> yeah, on, my, on my fucking steering wheel. Like, just doing fucking, just, <laughs> whoa, let's go, like, fucking just ripping the bench right, right off, right out of the ground. And it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to sit the other side of someone who, like, probably had a very similar, like, mm. West Side shirt that's probably quite similar to the way I started to train. Yeah. And then start to think, like, man, like I, I think about legacy, think about this stuff, and especially with the online work. Like, is it weird for you to, like, in retrospect, take a look and be like, "Wow, this is this is now what I'm trying to do. Like, this is now my identity. Like, devoid of physical size or anything like that." I think so. Yeah, um, I think so. I think it mattered so much to me when I was younger to be that, you know, like, get somewhere physically and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I definitely see that I now like. I think it's become clearer to me that now I've got the opportunity and the potential to kind of like affect more than just my immediate circle. And so it's become more and more important to me to make sure that I take advantage of that and that I do my absolute best to to do that. Um, like I've always been pretty thoughtful, but I think I've also always had less humility than I have now. Uh, it's something that I've worked quite hard on is to be humble um, because I, like – I was always reasonably bright and I was always, uh, but I always had a little bit of contempt when people didn't understand something that I explained. And I, I like, I kind of cringe to think about that um, because it's the total opposite of what I want to be now. Uh, so I think that sort of humility uh, that's developed has really helped me get to that place where like, yeah, it's, it's possible now to have a, a larger effect outside of my immediate circle and to have like maybe some kind of lasting effect on, on a lot of people out there in this world. Well, that was something that like when you led off the seminar on the weekend, one of the first things you said that resonated almost like almost above all else was like, look, if you don't get this, this is my problem. Like yeah. that, that ownership, that leadership, like it's, I think that's one of the biggest differences I see between people who are on the stage and people who are in the seats mm. is that owner. Like, look, like I'll, I'll send out assessments to be like, look, if, if you get it wrong, it's not you getting it wrong. It's I got it wrong. Yeah. Right. And I think there's such a, there's something to be said about adopting that into your, into your core values as you look to impart information. Cause mm -hmm. right now, how many clients would you say like between your social media account, between the courses you deliver online, between the people you see in person, how many people do you think you see a week? Or like you touch a week with your content? Like people have actually bought content from me that I'm currently delivering content to. It's like hundreds of people, right? It's like maybe 500 people, something like that. Um, but as far as like people who engage with me, social media, email or otherwise, I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of people yeah. and it's only growing, which is insane to me. Like I, I just cannot believe I'm, I'm 
have this position of privilege. Like it's crazy. Well, and the thing with me is with your content and the way you deliver it, those thousands of thousands of people are, those are thousands and thousands of centers of, of networks for health and fitness. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, it's not like the guy that reaches out to me goes, Hey man, I got failed for you did two weeks. Gotta get shredded. It's like, yeah. Oh fuck. I don't know, man. Like zero calories in maybe trend. Like what do you <laughs> yeah. want me to say? Yeah. Like, honestly, what are we driving out here, man? Like, I don't know. Use Winstrol as a breakfast cereal. <laughs> like fuck, like you got two weeks, bro. Like that guy is not someone that his friends go to and be like, Hey man, like, do you have any yeah. advice on this? Like the two week, but you and like, you know, the, just the depth and and breadth of your knowledge base and what you teach in your courses online. It's like each one of those people is the go-to guy. Yeah, yeah, like if yeah. If you come across, like if you're on Luke Tollick's membership site and you are going through his courses, you're the epicenter. So that's mm. 500 epicenters. I know. And that, like that's what blew my mind about this seminar that we just did is like the, the quality of the people in there was phenomenal. And you know that they are, in their community, they are, the yeah. guy or girl, yeah. like they're the go-to. And we had like, what, nearly 60 of 60, them there. Yeah. So imagine the number of lives that that ripples out to in terms of who you're affecting. Scared, the, the meta impact, mm. it, it's what, because I remember, I talked about this on the weekend, the first seminar I did was in PTC, PTC South Melbourne, yeah, three and a half years ago, and it reached 14 people maybe mm -hmm. and i think one of them was asleep and the other like <laughs> the information stopped there yeah i was like so i can do this and i'll bench more it's like sure man whatever you clearly <laughs> were fine fuck it this is my career but now it's like to have that meta impact mm -hmm. like for you especially to reach 500 epicenters of networks of health and fitness it's like fuck man is that scary it's terrifying because there's this huge <laughs> responsibility, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is terrifying. But like, again, I just try and flip it. I try and go, look, it's privilege. Yeah. It's, it's a positive thing. And so you just got to do your best. You know, that's all it is. Now, what's coming down the pipe for you moving forward with the online stuff and in person? Yeah, more of that stuff. Like I just got this membership site up. I mean, like I said, I, I make an effort to produce content every day and I don't want to keep making like products for people to buy. Like I don't want to have like, oh, here's my catalog of 30 fucking things you got to fork out money for. So I was like, look, I make a membership site. I make it accessible to everybody. I'll just dump all the stuff in there. I want to get other people involved in well as well. So I have like guests, guests come on and write articles and stuff for me because there's a lot of smart people out there and at least I can help curate that information a little bit. So that's like a real big focus for me at the moment. Um, but outside of that, man, like there's, there's more seminars and presenting to come up. There's more uh, uh, mentorship uh, opportunities with people one-on-one -on -one, um, that I'm doing. And then like I, I maintain my, my coaching credentials. Like I still see people at the gym every day. I still coach people online every day. So I think it's just like trying to trying to ride that and make sure I do the best for everybody that's involved with me um, and not losing that, that sort of creative control and, and making sure that the quality is still there as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I think that's something that gets lost in, in, an, in an industry so easily scalable, right, mm -hmm. as the internet and, and with the fitness stuff is like, I think once you lose touch, like literally lose physical touch with human interaction, your, yeah. your dashboard is no longer the facial expressions of another human being. Your dashboard is like a Squarespace backend. Yeah. Or yeah. like a fucking Kajabi WordPress, you know, integrated Absolutely. like Calendly fucking Stripe, whatever, like all this <laughs> fitness entrepreneur nonsense that it's just like, fuck at the end of the day, like, like staying staying grounded like a lot of people see that as an anchor it's like nah man like in the online world i think that's your sale like that's mm. what actually propels you because it's like fuck you can lose touch so quickly and just yeah. become this like yeah it's, it's funny because there are other models that you see like 
you see out there that try and emulate that, but that don't have the human touch. It's like, what do you, what do you end up like daily content on like Luke Tullock's site is not like fucking Mark's daily apple here. Yeah. Like, sorry, <laughs> Sisson, but like, you know, I don't, I don't need your fucking bedside journal. Like just because like, Oh fuck, I got to get it. And there's, there's guys in my, like there's a dude and he's a physical therapist or a Cairo who puts out literally a video every day. Yeah. He's like, dude, this is, this is a resource. This is a commodity, man. Like mm. you're putting out fucking nickel. Yeah. Right. You want to put out platinum. You want yeah. to put out a fucking rare. Come on. It's like be. It, this shit takes. It takes time to have quality. Like it takes how long to make a fucking Lamborghini, but they'll yeah. all rock out a Camry in twelve hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think staying true to like the fundamental reason why you started doing it shines through in the quality, even when it is you know being accessible by these hundreds of people on the internet. So mm. I mean, if people know now, if they're on the if you're on the podcast, like we don't do. We don't do ads. We don't do. We just have cool people who do cool shit. And yep. in recent history, I think with what you're doing, like, like I try and make a boring topic exciting. You take a topic that I want to fucking <laughs> drill my head out, like, <laughs> and then, like I was literally at the end of the couch the entire time, and I was just in a room full of sixty people going, "This is fucking amazing." <laughs> so yeah, I definitely I could not recommend. I appreciate like, that. No, and it's like I appreciate you. Like literally, fucking. I want to go back to like my double major, my undergraduate and grad school degree and be like, hey, Dr. Dugan, like, remember how you taught me biochemistry? Can you teach it like he taught it, please? <laughs> Can we go back in time? But, do you know what? That is like, that was a major motivation for me. I was sitting in like a chemistry class at university and there was a guy who was literally award-winning, like one of the leaders in the world at teaching, uh, at chemistry. And he was teaching me and I was like, I don't fucking get it. And this is first year chemistry. What the, f like, I don't get it. I was like, how is that possible? I was really excited to learn from this person. They couldn't fucking get it into my head, which at the time I was like, am I stupid? Like, uh, have I just been dumb my whole life and I didn't realize it? But again, it comes back to like, that was his fucking fault. Yeah. Just like it's my fucking fault right now if people don't get it. Yeah, and I think that, that ownership, it, it just goes hand in hand with like staying, staying true to why you got into it. So mm. um, th the website, yeah. where people find you, all that uh, jazz. LukeTullock.com slash membership if you want to have a look at the membership site. Um, otherwise, all of my stuff is is like linked through my Instagram, which is just underscore Luke Tullock. Yeah, yeah. I'll put it all. I'll put it all in the show notes. The guys like uh, this is. I like having because you're a very complimentary skill set, but you are so outside of what anything I talk about or even remotely close to skill <laughs> to talking about. So. I think a lot of people get drawn into the echo chamber of our podcast. Yeah. Like applied biomechanics, like a lot of strength coaches, a lot of like Cairo students, like fuck if you're a Cairo student and you're going into boards, just it'll be so much better than like prep work. Like there's like mm. prep courses for it. Like we need to know biochemistry to a certain degree. We need to know like some physiology stuff. It's like fuck, just spend, spend the money on the membership site, get through boards because it's, yeah. it's just taught at such a more palatable level. Like I can't stress enough like the importance of having breadth once you go deep. And I feel like a lot of people that listen to this are super specialists. You know, strength coaches, applied biomechanics, cool. It's like, okay, now start to, we have a knowledge, we have an ability to accrue knowledge uh, vertically, mm. starting applying that knowledge horizontally. Yeah. You, you, you can go to some depths. Yep. And it's, it can be granular, but it, uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I cannot recommend enough, like get on the site. So it's lukeTullock.com. Slash, slash membership, membership. and yep. then um, I'll put the Instagram stuff in the show notes. Great, man. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, man. Thanks for having me in.